Hey y'all, you are listening to Hyperactive Hotties, a podcast about having confidence in navigating life, work, and creativity as a baddie with ADHD. My name is Kyla and I am your host. Okay. Hey. Hey, hey. (laughs) You guys, it's been a rough month. It has been a really rough month for Kyla um, and for Kyla's ADHD. It is, I don't even know where to start. I feel like life at home has just been insane. I'm struggling with a landlord who will not fix things that need to be fixed, namely the air conditioner and lots of other things, but the air conditioner is like the main thing. I don't know about y'all and where you live, but here in Philadelphia, it has been hot and it has been muggy and I have a cat and it's just been, it's, it's, it's just been rough to move into an apartment and not be able to have any airflow, uh, in a particularly hot and rough air quality. You know, it's just, it's, it's been a bad, it's a bad time and moving in general is like traumatic but to do it in the heat is just like, and then to not even have any refuge from that heat is just, it's just been so bad. Um, so yeah, moving's been tough. Moving has been tough. The other thing's been tough is work, which is timely considering I'm doing this ADHD and career series and then building an, you know, a sustainable career is today's episode. And so work has just been so crazy. Um, for a few reasons, none of which are like any one particular person's fault. It's just the workload really skyrocketed and the nature of the work was really exhausting. Um, we're also moving at work. So it's just been nonstop bending down, putting things in boxes, lifting boxes, putting them somewhere else, taking the boxes, opening the boxes, putting the stuff somewhere else. Like it's just been, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And originally I wanted to do this series, this career series in June, but it just, like physically, it just wasn't happening for me. I got sick at the beginning of the month. I was traveling a little bit in the middle of the month. And then everything just got so crazy with the move at home and at work. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to push it off until July. This is going to be my summer break for the podcast. Even though I've only been doing it for a few months. Um, I just, it felt important to me to recognize when I needed to take a break from a certain aspect of my life and just to honor that. And yeah, I hope it doesn't like, I don't think it's going to really affect the podcast and the podcast's growth really all that much. I think ultimately what's important is that I give you a consistent product and maybe it's not always consistent the same day, the same time. I'd like to work towards that. I'd like to work towards having like a more sustainable podcasting, like production, like, you know, schedule. But as of right now, this is what we've got. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Okay. Anyway, so this is the intro. I'm going to do, as always, a little disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a clinician of any sort. I'm just someone with a lot of opinions. So, you know, take that what you will. If you want to take some of these things and utilize them and implement them in your life. Great. If it works for you, amazing. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine too. You know, there are certain things for me 
that work really well for some people with ADHD that just do not click with me. They just don't work for me. It's not for me. I made the decision not to do it that way. And that's fine. Like the whole point of this podcast is really just to show you such like other alternatives to ADHD management and, you know, ways to approach your life with ADHD that offer you more opportunities down the line to grow and to play and to have fun and to forgive yourself. And yeah, I feel like I spent a lot of time feeling really guilty and feeling really ashamed of the way that I operated. And I'm just not fucking doing that anymore. (laughs) I'm fucking sick of being tired and angry at myself because of something that's, I can't control. Um, so, you know, we're all about the compassion game here on hyperactive potties and yeah, that's all what this entire career series is really going to be about is focusing on how you can build your career in both a sustainable way and also in a, like a self-compassionate way, right? Like we're not about breaking the back, like breaking our backs just so that we can have stuff in the bank, right? Like I, I can't do that. Like it's not for me. It's like, I'm, I, I like working hard. I'm a hard worker in the sense that I enjoy the satisfaction and you know the excitement of a job well done I like to work hard for something it feels rewarding to me but I'm not about working my ass off for the man just so that money goes into the pockets of some people and not into me you know what I mean like I'm not trying to work hard for the future I'm trying to work hard now but also have fun I don't know if this is making sense maybe I'm just like kind of all over the place but I have ADHD, so. (laughs) Okay, so. Again, I want to thank you for being patient on this series. I know that I haven't always been the most consistent in the past couple of weeks, but I'm ready to get back into it. I'm in the new house. I'm going to set up a new. Oh my gosh, that's the other thing. I bought a freaking mic. I bought a new mic. I was so excited to set it up. I had it mailed to my parents' house because I was going up there um, this past weekend. And because I didn't know when it was going to arrive and I was worried that it was going to get snatched off my stoop or whatever, um, cause I'm on a more like, like a busier street now. And I opened it up. I was so excited when I got up there and then I freaking forgot to bring it home. Ugh. So frustrating, but for now, this works for now. It's going to, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, like I said, life got kind of in the way a few weeks ago, but I really am excited to be recovered from COVID a little, a little bit recovering from the move and yeah, I'm just, I'm ready to get it going. Let's get it popping. Let's get into it. So today I'm talking about building a sustainable career specifically talking all about how to approach work and life with a sustainable mindset so you don't burn yourself out working a job that doesn't fit into your life and or the type of lifestyle that you want to live now and in the future. So let's start by talking about what my like original understanding of what a career should look like, which I guess is probably pretty similar to how many of us were raised, which was, you know, you go to school, you get good grades, and then you go to college, you pick a major and you find a job in that field, then you work your way up, up, work your way up the little ladder. And you know what? Some people do that. That's great. Good for you. Not for me. Some people 
that is their shit. And I love that for you. Again, good for them, not for me. I realized pretty early on after college that there was not going to be some sort of like clear or formalized path for me in the sense that I had a lot of interests and I had a lot of skills. And this is something like that I kind of struggle with to this day, which is that I want to do so many things. Like there's so many jobs that I think I would be good at, that I think I would be good at. There are so many jobs that I want to do, that I want to try, that I want to learn, right? But it's hard to sort of continue to make more money if you are sort of laterally hopping from job to industry to different industry, et cetera, et cetera. And that's sort of what I was doing for the last couple of years. But really, I'm trying to look of look at that portion of my like, you know, career as the skill building and like the discovery phase, right? Like I was in a position where, you know, my monthly um, expenses were pretty low at the time, you know, pre-COVID and even like during COVID, my monthly expenses weren't that much. And, you know, I had roommates for a while or my like living was cheap. And so it was, it was pretty easy to just sort of utilize the time I had to like learn about the type of things I wanted to do and to learn about the type of work environments that I want to be in. But now that, you know, my living expenses are getting higher. The types of things that I want to be doing in my life are getting more expensive, right? Like I want to travel more. I want to start buying nicer things. I don't want to like keep buying cheap clothes and then like buying more cheap clothes. You know what I mean? Like I want to be able to invest in pieces that I have for a while. Same with furniture, right? Like I was just buying cheap shit, grabbing stuff off the street, you know, but now I'm really feeling like I want to curate a life that fits both what I need and what I want in my day-to-day life and also fits an aesthetic that I want, you know, like I want to curate this, right? Like I want to feel good in my home. I want to feel good in my clothes. I want to feel good in my day-to-day life. And part of that required making more money, right? And so taking all of the skills that I've learned over the last five, six years and finding a position that both fit what my skill set is and also fit the type of life that I want to be living at this current point in my life. Um, Wow, I got really sidetracked. That's not at all what I had written down. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, realized pretty early on that a normal, quote unquote normal, I guess at this point in time, like there's no such thing as a normal career. Everyone job hops, everyone does everything. And climbing the corporate ladder really just isn't feasible anymore, Um, especially with these menial raises that they're giving people, right? So my first job out of college was, you know, minimum wage, you know, minimum wage in New York. So that was like, what, $13 an hour, I think at the time, Um, which was nothing, but it was better than $7.50, which is the national minimum wage, I think. Uh, But yeah, I worked at a retail position at a craft and stationery store called Paper Source. I took this job, one, because I needed a job, (laughs) like I just needed some income, period, Uh, But two, because I love paper, I love stationery, I love book arts, and there was also an opportunity for me to teach workshops and do kids camps and stuff like that, and not just doing, like, day-to-day retail, oh, like, you can put that stuff up front if you want to keep looking kind of stuff, you know? And that was of interest to me. I knew that I 
loved making art. I knew that I loved making art with paper. I loved folding paper, gluing paper, making books, that kind of stuff. And this is exactly what Paper Source was like all about at the time. They do a little bit less like kids camps and like classes and stuff like that. One, because I just don't think they're at like an affordable price point for a lot of people. And two, because there's so many places where you can take classes and art classes and like do camps that aren't at just like a store. <laughs> so I think a lot of people are sort of moving away from that model right now. Um, but at the time, like in 2018, like it was really cool to get some teaching, like hands-on, um, like teaching and camp experience with kids because I loved, I loved working with kids. Like I loved being able to show them these types of art forms, which for me, book arts and collage and other type of paper arts is really accessible for a lot of people, right? Like you don't need a lot of fancy materials. You don't need like brushes or easels or canvases. You just need paper, glue, scissors. And sometimes you don't even need all that, right? Like sometimes you can literally just make some like beautiful works of art just with paper and folds, you know, and like everyone can get paper. You can get, you can take old paper bags from the store and flatten it and turn that into a book or turn that into a zine or whatever. Right. So I loved the accessibility of it and I loved that I was being like, I was able to build these teaching and instructional skills at a very low, uh, like entry point, right? Like the stakes were really low because there was no like standards that I needed to meet. There was no like tests that anybody needed to take. It was just like, sometimes people would come in and they would we do like a kids camp or whatever or there would be like a birthday party and I would run like the craft for the birthday party or whatever so that was really fun um ultimately it just obviously didn't pay enough and the schedule was so sporadic and they wouldn't hire anyone full-time only just like a bunch of part-time workers so obviously not sustainable long term like financially or also just like energy wise, it was really exhausting. We were standing on our feet all day. We weren't allowed to lean on the counter. So we weren't allowed to sit down. Like it was just really draining for me. And ultimately there wasn't actually enough to do or enough like people to talk to for me to stay stimulated throughout all of my shifts. Right. Like I remember these insanely long feeling shifts where I would just stand there and like dissociate in my assigned corner. And I would just like adjust greeting card boxes around by like the millimeter right like and you know I would stand in this one position and genuinely think that 20 minutes had passed and then I would check the time and it hadn't been like four or five minutes and it was it was really brutal like I didn't I didn't mind talking to the people that much I really do love chatting to people about like art supplies but it wasn't that busy a lot of the time and honestly like the direction that paper source really moved in is they started sort of selling less paper stuff and more just started pushing like knickknacks it was more just like plastic garbage that they wanted us to push like oh you need this like this like finger finger you know what I mean like one of those like plastic fingers that you put on top of your fingers <laughs> like what like they wanted to put they uh, they wanted us to push that like in the stores like get people to buy that and I was like I don't feel good making people like trying to get people to buy like literal garbage so yeah Things I really enjoyed about the job, I enjoyed making the displays. That was really fun when we got to, like, stand off in the corner and, like, cut out, like, paper signs and stuff like that. I love doing that shit. That was really fun. And anytime that I could, like, physically be cutting up and gluing paper and, you know, chatting with the coworkers, it was always fun 
to chat with like retail or food service people because they're usually like honestly like artists or creative people who are trying to make a living outside of whatever else they want to be doing and they just need something that's like you know not low cognition but doesn't require as men as much executive functioning as let's like as say like like an ops job which is what I do now right like a lot of my job now is a lot of like thinking like a lot of what I do for my job is like thinking (laughs) and a lot of it is typing and plugging things into the computer etc but like a lot of it is like coming up with things to say and things to do and like creating policies and enforcing policies and like that takes a lot more toll on the brain in some ways than just like standing and cutting up some paper you know what I mean like I had the energy in the day to go home and like work on my computer because I wasn't working on the computer all day if that makes sense um and then I worked as a barista and then in theater house management and so at that time I was working both in a bar at a theater and also in that theater doing house management um and then in administration and like art administration and then in teaching artistry and then back to admin and so yeah i've kind of had like a winding road but um barista and food service work was a lot better for me stimulation wise than retail because there were more tasks that i could do with my hands throughout the day and because I wasn't being pushed to sell anything that people didn't want or, you know, things that people didn't need, right? Like, people need food. People need coffee. Like, I guess you could argue people don't need coffee. But, like, a lot of people would argue, like, people need coffee. Like, it's a necessity. And also for a lot of people, it's a ritual, right? Um, and, you know, for most folks, they're in and out in, like, five, ten minutes. I don't have to, like, push things onto them. Like, oh, you should buy this thing that you're just going to throw out in a few months. Um I I was, they were just coming in they knew what they wanted. I would able, I was able to like make something for them that they're going to enjoy. That's going to give them energy. That's going to like, you know, give their day like a little pep. It it felt better. It felt like I was actually providing something valuable to the customers and not just ringing them up, if that makes sense. And also I liked making the latte art. I loved, like, I don't love making food, but I like it better than like, like stocking shelves, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, and I think that like being a barista, there was a lot more customers. There were more people that I was interacting with on the day-to-day basis. And so it really helped me with my customer service skills, honestly, more than I was like being able to utilize at paper stores just because of the sheer volume of people who were coming in. So um, Yeah, I like chatting with people and I loved, you know, I liked flirting with the customers for more tips and making coffee is like a fun and interesting skill. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I enjoyed the act of constructing like a little drink for someone, which I know for me, like my coffee is often like one of the best parts of my day. I love being able to like make a little hard or make a little leaf and a latte and really brighten someone's day with an item that they were always going to buy anyway, right? Like versus at like paper source, they want to just like follow people around and like push them to add more weird plastic garbage to their bas- their baskets. And I just like, I don't know, it didn't sit well with me. Um, I don't think I would ever go back to like an environment like that. I guess I you know, never say never, but um, yeah, it just didn't sit well with me. I think baristaing was a better use of my particular skill set and my particular interests. 
and the environment just was better for me. And it felt like it was more sustainable, one, because it paid a little more because I got tips. So I was also getting paid minimum wage there, but I was also a tipped employee. So minimum wage in Chicago at the time was, I think it was like $12. Um, I think now it's like 14, but at the time it was 12. So I got 12 plus tips and tips was anywhere from like two to $8 an hour. So, you know, ultimately was a lot more lucrative and also I got cheap and free food. <laughs> so I was eating a lot of my meals at my work, um, which really cut down on my, uh, you know, food budget at this time, there was no budget. Like, Kyla was not working with a budget. I was, I was, I was just crossing my fingers. <laughs> I wasn't even checking my bank account like a crazy person. Like, I was so anxious and so confused about the way that finances worked that I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't deal with it. Um, I just, like, crossed my fingers and hoped that I wouldn't overdraft. And things always worked out in my favor because, honestly, my expenses were super fucking low. Like, I was working a lot when I was a barista. Um, and I was working in the evenings a lot because I worked at a theater. So like a lot of my shifts were from like six to midnight or from two to 8 PM. And so after that, I was either too tired or were like, there wasn't a lot that I wanted to do after work. And so I didn't have the opportunity to like go out and like spend a bunch of fucking money. And also at the time, all of my friends worked at the same place that I worked. So anytime I wanted to like hang out with my friends, like we were already there, like at the bar that we get a discount at. So we would just like hang out there for a while, you know? So it was, it was pretty, and we also all got shift drinks at the end of every shift. So as a barista, you got a shifty during the shift. So I got like a, like free drinks obviously while I was working there, but then I also always got a free bar drink um, after my shift. And so like, I feel like I spend a lot of money. I don't spend a lot of money on drinks or bars or like going out to like eat and stuff, but I spend enough that I spend enough now that it's a lot more than what it was when I was working at a bar because I just got a lot of free stuff and like one free cocktail is like, and like, I wasn't taking my cocktail every night. Like I wasn't getting my free drink every single night. Sometimes I, sometimes I would get a canned shifty and take it home and put it in my fridge for later. Um, technically we weren't supposed to do that, but we all did it anyway. Like on the nights we didn't really want to drink, like we would take like a canned drink home, but on the nights that we wanted to like hang out at the bar, I would get like a 13, $14 cocktail and just sit at the bar. And it was so nice. You know what I mean? Like that stuff adds up quick. Like us, I say maybe I'll go to like a bar like once or twice a month and get like one or two cocktails plus tip plus like a little like drink or like our little snack or whatever. That ends up being like $50 per time I go, right? Like, and like, that's not a ton of money, but that's $100 that I wasn't spending when I was working at the bar, right? So when we think about sustainability, you want to think about the kind of lifestyle that you want to live and how that job, how that, like how whatever you're doing to make your money fits into that lifestyle, right? Like at this current point in time in my life, I have a lot of personal projects that I want to be working on, the podcast being one of them, of course, and something that I needed that was a non-negotiable for me is I needed time. I needed extra time 
and I needed energy to be able to work on these projects, right? And something about my new job that like just felt so aligned with like what my values are as like a worker and as like a person, right? Is the four day work week. And it's not four days, like four 10 hour days, like you have to get your 40 hours in. No, it's four days. You get there when you get there, you leave when you leave, you get all of your work done, everyone gets their work done. And that's just how it is. Like, it's like, it, 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 like, it's mind blowing. It's so simple. And like, ultimately I've never been more productive in my life than right now, like working a four day work week. And also I've never been more satisfied and like felt valued by the organization that I've worked at because we're trusted to get our work done. We're not forced to be anywhere or at the computer for any like period of time. Like, yes, it's like a 32 hour work week, but like you can do that. Like sometimes I wake up and log in and just do some emails and like do some work at the beginning of the day and then log out early or whatever. Or like sometimes I'll leave the office at like two or 3 PM hop back on when I get home and just like, do some more work. Or if I'm doing work from home, like sometimes I take like an hour or so in the middle of the day to like do what I need to do. Maybe I have an appointment. Maybe I just need to take a break. Right? Like no one's watching over anyone. And that's something that I needed for my mental health. And also for my, like, I don't know if time health is like a word, but like my energy, my energy levels, right? Like I needed to know that I was going to have time to work on things that I wanted and I wasn't going to be micromanaged or like held hostage at a location for 40 hours a week, you know, which is what I sometimes feel like careers are, like jobs are. Um, so the other, sorry, I keep getting sidetracked. Oh, I'm so out of practice. Um, but the other main thing about my first barista job was that it was a cafe slash bar inside of a theater. So I studied theater in college. Um, you know, up until like the last couple of years in my mind, like I was going to be a theater artist. Like that was going to be my career. I was going to like write plays, act in plays, and then work for theaters, eventually become part of an ensemble, then become like an artistic director, become like a producer or something. I don't know. Um, I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to be in the theater at the time. And even though I wasn't necessarily writing or acting or producing or quote unquote doing theater in my day job, I was surrounded by other performing artists and other creative people. And it was such a joy to get to know and make friends with my coworkers, like because they were all theater artists and, all, you know, they were going out to auditions or they were, you know, writing projects and doing like staged readings and it was just like I got to like be amongst the theatrical like magic like for those of you who are in the arts or specifically in the performing arts like there is such a like buzzy excitement about the way that like theater gets made like it's just it's so magical it's like a bare stage one day and then the next day it's a whole new world and all of these people work really, really, really hard to like put on like an hour and a half or two hours worth of an experience to a new, like a new unique audience every single night. And it's different every night, but it's the same every night. And it's just like, it just like scratches that ADHD, like brain cell in like the perfect way. And there was like so much excitement in that job. And I was learning so much about the business of theater specifically, like, in house management because I was also working in the house management side of things. Um, and house management is like 
it's like not house management in the sense like front of house in terms of like uh, restaurants, but front of house in terms of theaters, which is like, you know, you have the stage manager who manages everything backstage and then you have the house manager who manages everything in the house. So everything in the audience. So, you know, they're opening up the theater doors, they're contacting stage management for when like the doors need to be locked for when people aren't allowed in for when like the lights are going dark, right? We're like watching the audience to make sure people aren't on the phones or taking photos. Like we're literally like theater narcs. Um, and I was good. I got to watch so much theater when I was working there. And that's what I wanted to be doing at the time. Like I wanted to be watching shows. I wanted to be talking to people about these like world-class productions that were getting put on, like in the organization that I worked for. And it was just, it was so magical. I was so young, you know, and so excited and, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed about the way that the world works. Um, but yeah, even though I didn't go to school for making coffee, it still felt like I was working in and learning in my chosen industry at the time. Um, I'm telling you all of this because I think there is like immense value in taking positions that you're not sure are going to work out long term. But as you search to find something that genuinely feels good and sustainable, it's totally okay and like totally valid and honestly like a really good um, tactic to take jobs that just feel like maybe like filler jobs or it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be a server the rest of my life. Or maybe you are, right? Like maybe you really enjoy it. But for me, I knew I wasn't going to be a barista for my entire life, but I knew that it was going to offer me all of these things, right? Like a flexible schedule, like time in my industry, like time to talk to people within the industry, like other creative people. I was making connections, networking, right? Like I was um, like networking with the people who worked there as well. I ended up, you know, getting a promotion and moving into the administrative side of things, but you know, it was offering me like, you know, free food, cheap food, cheap drinks, right? Like, like all of these things that it was offering me, even though the pay sucked, cause it was, you know, I was just like a barista, not just a barista, a barista was like an important and skilled position. But like, I knew that the pay sucked, but it kept my, it kept my, my, uh, expenses low enough just by the nature of the job that I felt like I really was learning and like really expanding as an artist and as a person during that time. And it just had so much to offer. And even though I only did that for a full, like a year, a little over a year, um, I feel like it was a really good investment for my career. And I've learned so many skills, like to know customer service, to work in the food industry is really to be able to do anything because like these people are cutthroat out here. Like customers will give you absolutely no mercy and you have to sit there and take it like a pro. And then also you're like forced to like do all of this work that is sometimes, you know, feels like, like small and like minute, but sometimes feels like big and like almost like hard labor, right? You're like lifting heavy things and doing a lot of squatting and doing cleaning, right? Like all of these things, and, and it, it teaches you so much. Like I learned so much. I learned so much about how to communicate, how to be a part of a team, how to, you know, deal with customer service, which ultimately customer service is like, like to know how to be good at customer service is to know how to talk on the phone, is to know how to send an email, is to know how to 
like problem solve with a difficult person regardless of not like regardless of whether or not they're a customer right um and so when you're building a sustainable career i think you need to really like sit down and think about like who you are what you need right now and what you need in the future and create a non-negotiables list right you need to figure out what your non-negotiables are and these non-negotiables can be about the work itself you know, the working environment, the compensation package, the type of lifestyle you want to maintain, the return of, on investment of time, etc. But like you get to decide what you will accept and what you will not accept. And I think the key to making these non-negotiables is really recognizing that your needs are going to change throughout your life, maybe even throughout a specific year, right? Like I lost a good friend of mine um, at the beginning of 2022 a really close friend from childhood. It was really devastating and it was really sudden. And honestly, it was like, it put me at a point where I felt like I couldn't do a lot of jobs. And luckily the job that I had was really, really flexible and it wasn't even really a job. I was like working, like I was an AmeriCorps member. So like I wasn't getting paid hourly. I got like a monthly stipend. And so there was no like, like, I feel like I, I didn't need to do a lot to feel like I've done a lot, you know, because I was getting paid so little, but it was such a good job for me to have when I experienced this like gut wrenching grief because I could take off or I could work from home or I could do what I needed to do at any point because my supervisor was like so unbelievably flexible and understanding and she wasn't paying me, AmeriCorps was, so it didn't really matter like what I did for her or with her she was just like you you know take the time you need to take like do what you need to do i'm here when you're ready to like get back into the teaching and that's fine and that was like even though i could have even though the pay was really abysmal and i didn't really enjoy the commute the commute was so long um the fact that i had that flexibility during that time of grief it was such a low stakes again another low stakes job like it was fun to hang out with the kids and fun to teach classes and like but i was able to control how many classes i was and wasn't teaching because it was an americorps program and because i was getting paid diddly squat so it was a it was a really good position for me at the time um you know there might be like one season of your life where you need a higher income than in other seasons like depending on what your you know, living expenses are like if you have to live in a city or if you can, you know, live out in, you know, like the country or live with family and like keep those living expenses lower, you might not need a, as high of a salary, right? Or there might be seasons of your life where you need more time, which could affect how many hours you're willing to work or the level of exhaustion that type of work creates, right? So, and also not just the level of exhaustion, but the type of exhaustion. Like if you're doing heavy like hard labor, labor with your hands, or like, you know, like my boyfriend does a lot of, he's like in art handling and art packing and stuff. Like his work is hard in the sense that he has to like stand up, lift a bunch of stuff and like do a bunch of like physical labor, but he doesn't have to sit at a computer and type and think all day. And so when he comes home, he gets to have the brain energy to, you know, work on his art, do some writing, do whatever he needs to do, like brain wise, because he hasn't been like staring at a screen for eight hours, like rotting his brain away. Right. So 
you really want to think about what type of things you want to be doing outside of work and what type of energy you need in order to do those things. And then how does that compare to the work that you're doing, right? Like if you're sitting at a computer all day, every day, it's going to be really hard for you to get off one computer and get onto another and do some writing if that's what you want to be doing after work. If you want to be doing some running or doing some swimming or like like aerobics or, you know, dancing, pole dancing or whatever, that's fine. If you've been sitting at the desk all day, it's like a welcomed reprieve from sitting stationary to be able to do some movement, right? So you really want to think about that. Um, you know, you might be in a period of your life where your mental health needs more time and attention. So you might not be able to work in a high stress or high demanding job in that period. So, you know, going back to what I was saying for the AmeriCorps job, like it was not high demanding. It could have been more high demanding depending on the school I was placed at, but I had a great school with a really great partner teacher and she was so unbelievably flexible. And my supervisor for AmeriCorps was really flexible and understanding of the situation, like grief wise. Like there, it was just like no other job could I have been able to slack off as much as I did when I lost my friend. And I'm just like forever grateful that I was in a situation where I was able to continue to, you know, have a monthly payment but not necessarily need to be as consistent about the output that I had in my work on a month to month or even a week to week basis, you know? So, you know, the trick isn't really to make a list of non-negotiables for a job that will support you for the rest of your life or even the rest of your twenties or thirties or whatever. You know, you really need to recognize that as you change your needs and desires and trajectories will also change, right? So your circumstances like like your circumstances will also change and so will the world. You know, AI has quickly taught all, all of us that there are real changes coming. You know, there are real changes that are already here and we need to be able to adapt and recognize like what are our particular skills and how can I lend them to a situation that will get me what I need in this moment, in this period of time. And then I can figure out what I need, you know, moving forward. But, you know, trusting yourself and being confident that, you can figure it out. You can get a job. Like you're savvy. I know you are because you're listening to this podcast. So you must be smart (laughs) and you must be like sexy. Right. So you can like, like there's no other way to say you can do it other than just like you can fucking do it. But the first step to being able to do something is really being able to recognize like I have done so many amazing and difficult things in my life and there's no reason why I wouldn't be able to do this next thing there's no reason I wouldn't be able to figure it out right like any person who lives with ADHD has had to navigate such a difficult environment their entire life way more difficult than a lot of other people and sometimes they don't even realize how much more difficulty they're dealing with than the, than their peers, right? Especially if you were undiagnosed or misdiagnosed or late diagnosed, right? Or self-diagnosed. So, you know, for a long period of time, I thought that everyone was struggling with the internal and environmental issues that I was struggling with as a kid and as a teen and like early in my college years. That is not the case. Like people do not struggle the way that we struggle. And so the fact that you've even made it this far, right? The fact that you've even like made it to the workforce, that you've even made it like onto this computer listening to this podcast, like thinking about wanting to design and curate a future for yourself. That is crazy. Like that is so admirable. And 
you should give yourself credit for that. And you should give yourself credit for being able to navigate a difficult and traumatizing world. And if you're able to do that, girl, you can switch a job. You can get a new job. You can get that. Like, you can figure it out, right? Like, use the tools you have. Like, hit up the people that you love for support and for, you know, advice. And keep it pushing. Because I know you can do it. Because you've done so much already. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, just looking at my notes, I've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> How long is this? I've been talking for, oh my gosh, 40 minutes. <sighs> wow, that's a lot. It's a lot. Let's get to the hottie hot take. I feel like we need to move on. Okay, today's hottie take is no job is forever and you shouldn't be too afraid about locking yourself into anything because there's always something new. I know the job market right now is not the best place in the world, but you can get creative and you can get scrappy and you can rebrand your career whenever you want. It is your career. And at the end of the day and at the end of your life, you don't need to answer. Like you're not going to answer to anyone. There's no one to answer to, but yourself. And if you had a shitty time and have a bunch of money to like, to show for it, that's great. But if you had a fine time and a normal amount of money or like an amazing time and not as much money at the end, like you need to decide what your priorities are. You got to figure it out. You know, um, it's all about taking responsibility and like trusting yourself to make the right decision now and trusting yourself to make the right decision in the future. Um, I feel like a lot of where my anxieties have come from in the past about jobs and work and, you know, whatever has been, I just don't trust myself to get the work done or to do it well or to move on or to move up. Right. But you just got to trust yourself. It's harder. You know, it's easier said than done, but you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate you stopping by. And of course, I hope that you stick around. Make sure to follow the podcast at Hyperactive Hotties on Instagram. And if you follow my personal account, it's at Kyla Makes Art. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter or stay up to date about new stuff going on in the land of hyperactivity, such as new episodes, resources, and more, you can go to hyperactive.media slash newsletter. And definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified when there's a new episode comes out. We're on Spotify and now on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you liked this episode or if you've liked the other episodes in the past, please give a review, write a little review on Apple Pods or give your little five star or, you know, four star, like keep it up there. (laughs) Um, Review on Spotify just because it helps other people like you and like me find these resources and be able to find my podcast. Helps the podcast grow, helps everyone get connected, helps people, you know, get their shit together. So leave a review. I would love you forever. Okay. Um, until next time, stay grateful, stay sexy and take care of yourself.